Welcome to the Frederick Democrats podcast, a production of the Frederick County Democratic Central Committee. Uh, I'm your host, Josh Kramer, and with me today is Isela Bravo and Camden Rayner uh, here to talk about some reflections on Elizabeth Warren's candidacy for uh, for president. So just so you know, we we had scheduled this podcast uh, before Super Tuesday, and uh, then in in the, the the past week since then, uh, Elizabeth Warren has uh, suspended her campaign for president. Uh, but I still wanted to have this talk uh, because there were lots of ideas and policy proposals that Elizabeth Warren had uh, had, had brought up during the campaign. And uh, this this one, maybe more than some of the others, uh, a lot of disappointed people about this one. So I wanted to uh, bring Isela and Camden on to talk about why they supported Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Warren's uh, candidacy. Uh, so we'll start with that question. And uh, Isela, why, why were you supporting Senator Warren's candidacy for president? Oh boy, how long do we have? Um, so she, she was my ideal candidate. Uh, you know, I guess if I had to do the short version, sadly, it's her, it's her trademark. She has a plan. Uh, she thought things out. She listened to people. Um, some of the biggest uh, flack she got was for going back on Medicare for All, but I looked at it as she heard the public. She said, let me adjust, and she made a better plan that took into account what everybody was complaining about, uh, and that's the kind of leadership I want. She's fierce but calm. She's strong. Um, she is a steady knowledgeable voice in a sea of nonsense and uh, well like I said I could go on and on so I'll just pass it to Camden now. (laughs) Well that is a a hard act to follow. I will say I think far too often in presidential politics we um we vote and elect people without really knowing how they plan on implementing their vision for the country and I think Warren above any other candidate who ran in this cycle understood how Congress works and understood the limits and the powers of the presidency. And I think she had, you know, an honest to God way of trying to implement her wide range of policies. As we saw, there were quite a few. And um, I also, I see her as a, as a president for my generation almost as well. You know, as a young American, I think it's, it's beyond time we had a woman and beyond that, a competent and intelligent, a, a, so many adjectives to describe her. And I think she just really embodies to me what we could be as a nation and that's what makes me all the more sadder that she will not be our next president. And I do want to get into the the disappointment and in, in her uh, you know bowing out of the the race. I, I noted just from you know friends on social media, especially, but you know in conversations that I've had with people over the past week, um, even people who didn't plan on voting for Warren, uh, upset. That she dropped out of the race because, uh, in in large part, she was pushing uh, the other candidates to better explain their policy proposals. Um, because, as you noted, she yeah planned for everything. Uh, and and uh, Isela, you noted her fierceness. I mean, I I think one of the things that's going to be uh, very memorable about this campaign was her takedown of Mike Bloomberg. Uh, and in in the debates, and I, I for me, I, as I was watching that happen, you know, I just kind of started to imagine what 
she would have done in a debate with Donald Trump, um, you know, especially when she was getting into the conversation about uh, the the non-disclosure agreements with accusations of, of uh, sexual assault and so forth uh, with with uh, women. And, you know, we all know Donald Trump's, uh, um, you know, grab him by the pussy remarks and so forth. Uh, but beyond all that, you know, the why why is this one? Maybe when when you look at all the other candidates that have that have left the race, uh, why do you think this one in particular has caused as much um, disappointment and and people being uh, upset about this candidate leaving the race? Um, why don't we start yeah with Isel on that? I have to say one of the reasons is that this is a candidate that I I couldn't really see what her baggage was other than things that were made up or not thoroughly researched. Um, so to have a candidate that to me that is so strong um, to not even make it this far disheartens me. But on top of that, it has to be how many people I spoke to. Camden and I both canvassed in South Carolina. Um, I went to Virginia. We've canvassed here in Maryland. Talked to people because we're rallying for our candidate and person after person who said I don't think a woman can win I just don't think it's her time she was second to over 70% of Democrats out there which means her message was reaching but we couldn't reach with her and it depresses me to no end to hear people say I, I, I mean I did texting so to constantly hear that she can't win and have it fulfill its legacy is it broke my heart and to have that done with such a an excellent candidate what more can we do <laughs> yeah again to go off of that i'm not somebody who spends all my time on twitter complaining about the media however all the way from iowa she came third in iowa and i, I consistently did not think she was getting the kind of of due and consideration from the fourth estate, as, as she should have in our political system. And Guafuri Sellas said again as well, I think on paper, she she should be the kind of candidate who can really unite our party. I think if you wanted progressive policies, which could realistically be enacted, and also she has the kind of establishment credentials of, of a Joe Biden, not near as long, but she certainly she's been in the Senate since 2012. And it, we've managed to sort ourselves back out into the capital L left and perhaps the establishment center. And to me, throughout the campaign, I just genuinely thought she could be the candidate to bridge that divide. And I'm still a little bit flabbergasted, like Isela, as to why that couldn't happen. And I don't know what that says about our party, but it certainly says to me that there's something we just aren't ready to do yet. And that makes me sad. I have kind of a theory about it, you know, and trying to, you know, do the autopsy of these campaigns and, and, um, and I don't know, but there, there, for me, I felt like there was the, the ghost of, of Hillary Clinton's campaign hanging over her the whole time. And, you know, the, well, the Democrats ran a woman against Donald Trump and lost in, in a, in an election that, even though we got three million more votes, you know, he still got to be the president. Isela, do you think that there might be some validity to that? Do you think that 
um, sexism played a part in in this election, in this uh, in this campaign. And and Camden noted, you know, that question about what does all all of this say about our party, and 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 is there something that you think we could be doing better, especially you know, in, in the efforts that you had in those other states and here in Maryland, talking to voters and so forth. Is there sexism in our party and in the media and in our general populace? Tough question. Um, yes, uh, yes, yes. And uh, as Warren noted, if I said no, a bazillion women would say, what world do you live in? Um, and, and that the whole comparison to Hillary, um, yes, I think I, that played a part, but I, I I do think that we are living in a in an America of traumatized people. We have people of color who are afraid to leave their houses. <laughs> um, we are we have people in hiding. We have communities hiding people. We are shell shocked, and the idea of placing a safe vote, I understand, and I but it. That's another thing that saddens me so much is I, I really do look at her as the, the, the vote of hope. And I think we're just too damaged to go that way. So uh, sexism was in play. Yes, it was one, another thing to knock her down. Had she been a white man with her experience with banks, with the experience she had in Wells Fargo, with the Consumer Protection Bureau, with um, a plan for everything, including coronavirus, how that was not shouted on every media station, I don't know. So, I, I yes, I'm going to say sexism had some play there. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, the 2020 campaign, and I will say, I was born in 1998. I'll be 22 in April. I don't remember all of a lot of the baggage people had with Hillary Clinton from the 90s. So for me, again, 2016 was just horrendous for a whole host of reasons as, young, as a young American watching history not be made in that sense. But again, the cycle started off you know, we had an openly gay candidate. We had some amazing, we had an amazing Latino candidate in Julian Castro. We had, I believe, um, four to six women, depending on how you how you count major candidates in the race. And again, I just, I, I do wonder, this is when I get frustrated about young Americans like myself who maybe don't vote. This is not going to change until we start showing up to the polls. And I'm aware we have a lot of issues to go in that direction particularly if you live in a state like Maryland where it's so easy to vote. You know, get out there, make your voice heard, and that requires that requires primary reform, that requires a lot of things involving the mechanisms of our party. And I think if we want to start having nominees, be they for president, governorships, all the way down the ballot, we need to start having some serious conversations about internal party reform. And Camden, I, I chuckle a little bit there, you know, kind of putting you on the spot to be like, here, l let's have the, uh, you know, a, a white male talk about sexism in, uh, in, in our political uh, system. But yeah, I mean, it, but this is, for me, this is one of the things that, that I really do like about our party is that we're not afraid to have these conversations and to be critical of ourselves and and to recognize that that there are these systemic problems um not just in our country but but even within our own party and, and i don't think we should be afraid to admit it um because we know right now that the leader of the other side the republicans donald trump will just just deny 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 um, and, and that's not helpful either. Uh, so, um, 
you know, Elizabeth Warren, my last question for you, Elizabeth Warren did not come out and endorse either Senator Sanders or former Vice President Joe Biden. Um, and uh, so, you know, the not really wanted to kind of get into like, well, where do you go at this point? Um, so, <laughs> but instead, I, I'll ask, you know, whoever ends up being the Democratic nominee, and hopefully, oh my God, hopefully, uh, the next president of the United well, States, <laughs> um, what do you think should be the, 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 Elizabeth Warren, Senator Warren has a plan for everything. Um, what do you think should be things that, that these other candidates can learn from her and that when they become president, when one of them becomes president, what should they go into, in, into the Oval Office? Uh, what, what plans of hers should, should they try to immediately put in place? Uh, we'll start with uh, Camden on that. I'll say two things briefly. The first is that I firmly agree with Senator Warren's stance on eliminating the filibuster in the Senate. And the reason is, I think she, she put it best, you know, I think we need to give presidents and parties the chance to actually govern. And I believe we, I understand the Senate's role as a need to be a check on the House. You know, we have, we obviously give states some representation for obvious reasons, and we can argue about that later. But I think each party deserves a chance when elected to get in there and enact its agenda to the best they can with their majority in the Senate. And I don't want to see progressive change, like my second thing, which is Medicare for all or a public option, be stymied because we can't somehow get a magical 60 votes in the Senate, which no party realistically rarely ever gets in our current political state. In terms of more policy specific, I, I want to see something done on health care and I want it now. <laughs> I, I think certainly Warren and Senator Sanders, should I, I think they recognize the future of the party as we move. I think Medicare for all is inevitable. I think it's going to happen, but I think... I'll take whatever we can get right now. And so I want to see the next administration, hopefully a Democrat, take that up as soon as possible. I would have to agree. Medicare for all would be top on my list. And I think with this coronavirus um, episode that we are having, it, 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 we need to get people health care. It, it helps all of us. Um, people being able to go to the doctor means that you're not going to have somebody who's sick sneezing on your food. It helps us all. And the idea that we run medical care through GoFundMe sites is one of the most deplorable things I can think of. The other thing would be her racial justice plan. We lose so much productivity from men of color who are put in prison for longer amounts of time than necessary for not, with not having the rehabilitation available. We're losing minds and we're losing people who, who can make changes with us. So um, I, I would like to see that in place. And those would probably be my top, although there's so many more. Uh, yeah, I I think when we look at, I mean, healthcare has been the big issue for this uh, election, but um, it's it's alarming, the, the coronavirus stuff that's going on right now. And we don't know how bad it will be. Hopefully it won't be bad. And, and you know, unlike what uh, Trump's son is saying that Democrats are hoping that this gets, no, we're not hoping this gets bad. We don't want that. But it would be nice to have somebody in the White House who, uh, who, who listens to experts and, and can, can reassure us that they're going to keep this pandemic as, 
um, as controlled as possible. But yeah, I mean, it's scary times we're living in right now. Um, but I wanted to, uh, Camden and uh, Isela, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast and reflecting on Elizabeth Warren's campaign. And um, it, it is upsetting that she's dropped out of the race. But I, I like you, I hope her uh, her policy ideas uh, move forward and, and that we as a party move forward. Oh, and, oh, and so, uh, yeah, Isela and Camden will both be on the, uh, uh, the ballot as, uh, delegates for Warren. Um, and remember that the primary is on April 28th in Maryland. Uh, so this is the, uh, Frederick Democrats podcast. I've been Josh Kramer. Thanks so much for listening and, uh, see you next time. <laughs>